Lesson 10 of How to Think Like Jesus Christ, Inside Out and Upside Down. Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. These words in Matthew have discouraged me for decades. How could I, knowing and living with me for so long, ever hope to be perfect? Your life is about to change. Your life is about to change by what I say next. You see, in this message so far, we've been talking a lot about who Jesus is and thus who we are. What we haven't discussed is what Jesus is and thus what you are. Jesus is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up after three days. He spake this of his body. You are the body of Christ. You are Jesus' temple in the sense that the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of Jesus. He lives within you. And because he lives, you live also. In fact, Paul realised that death was at work in our mortal bodies. But every day they are restored, rebuilt, refurbished, renewed, transformed by the Spirit who is within us. I'd been looking at it the wrong way, or really in the wrong direction. The miracle is an inside-out one, not an outside-in one. The kingdom of God is within me. The kingdom of God is within you. Let me share with you the switch. It was a video from the excellent Bible Project, really recommended on YouTube. But first, before I expand on that, let me share a little bit from Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. One called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, Yahweh of armies. I'm with Isaiah, aren't you? Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, Yahweh of armies. Whilst my eyes have not necessarily seen the king, although I may have done, um, I do live in a culture that's full of uncleanliness of speech. Isaiah thought like I've been thinking, and so we should. When Moses saw God at the burning bush, God said, Take off your sandals, for where you stand is holy ground. When Uzzah touched the holy ark of the covenant, the holiness of God slew him. The priests had to be ritually clean and physically dressed in a specific way and accompanied by blood sacrifices to safely approach the purity of the divine presence. Isaiah thought he was a dead man, and so he should have been. Notice how close this is to Jesus' teaching on cleanliness and uncleanliness. What comes out of a man is what defiles us. Isaiah recognised the danger of unclean lips. Are you ready then for everything to change? Good. Go woo-woo with me for a minute and park whatever idea you have of holiness you may have at the moment. Just imagine 
It is the atomic nuclear force of goodness with radiation that will slay anything that is not of a like nature. That sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Just stay with the imagination. Think of an atomic reactor. This is the very life force of God. Holiness is the very life force of God, or the very life force of God is holy. It is, to be more specific, the very eternal life force of God. Goodness is dangerous. Thus, for most of the Old Covenant, the idea is that defilement will spoil anything holy. That includes touching dead bodies or those with infectious skin diseases, having intimacy with your husband or wife, or if you're a woman, being in the midst of your menstrual cycle. What happens next to Isaiah switches the paradigm, the model of how we see how the universe really works. It's better than even shifting to a heliocentric view of the solar system from the idea that we are the centre of everything. This message set out to change the way you see Jesus and thus the way you see yourself. Are you ready? Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 6. So there's Isaiah distressed that he is a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin forgiven. God's holiness, carefully applied, makes what it touches pure, holy, dedicated to God. This is inside-out thinking. God touches you under the new covenant, although Isaiah is born under the old covenant, and you will be made perfect, without spot or blemish, free from accusation, from the inside out. God is going to do it, not you. You don't have to be perfect to get to God. God wants to get to you, to touch you, to make you clean, pure, holy, alive, empowered, enriched, clothed with glory. God wants you to be totally awesome. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect? Yes, sir. God is at work in you and in me to work out his purpose, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Don't worry about discovering your purpose in life. God has his purpose for you and you are going to love it. Let's have a little more from Isaiah chapter 6. I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people. You hear indeed, but don't understand. You see indeed, but don't perceive. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn again and be healed. Doesn't that remind you of what Jesus says in Mark chapter 4? The most important key to the parables, the parable of the sower. Or is it the parable of the sower and the seed? We see in Jesus' ministry the model for our own ministry as part of the same person. He is the head, we are the body. He is the vine, we are the branches. We share in his works. We are co-laborers together with God, ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven, ambassadors for the kingdom of God, ministers of the ministry of reconciliation, as if God was making his appeal through us be reconciled to God. Wow, wow, and wow. 
What do we see in Jesus's ministry? The kingdom of God flowing out from within him like rivers of living water, holiness flowing out and cleansing everything it touches. He touches the unclean and they are made clean. What was unclean? An issue of blood. A woman with an issue with and of blood that had robbed her of everything she had. An unclean woman touches him saying to herself, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made clean. Boom! He perceives that virtue flows out of him. She was breaking the law. She knew it. God loved it. He healed her. Faith pleases God. What else was unclean? Leprosy. A leper comes and throws himself down at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus does not hesitate. He thrusts out his hand, makes contact with the unclean, and decrees as the king of kings, with all the authority of heaven, I am willing. Be made whole. Boom. Clean, perfect, restored, without blemish. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Or as they also say in heaven with much joy, holy, holy, holy. What else was unclean? The dead. Touching dead bodies made you ritually unclean. I say ritually with reverence. If you went into the Holy of Holies, into the heart of the reactor, the core, ritually unclean, you die. Not necessarily because God would be cross with you, though I really do believe we should fear God with all the reverence we've got within us. No, God's kind of life, life with a capital L, life called the Zoe, the divine life of God, eternal life, the life of the eternal one, that life is incompatible with death. So what did Jesus do? He touched dead people. What happened? His life force brought them back to life, back to reality. That's just to show a human is recording this message. I couldn't resist that homage to Soul to Soul's classic song, Back to Life, Back to Reality. I could imagine hearing that playing in my head as I lay hands on the dead in Jesus' name and that same divine life flows out of his temple of my body, bringing people back to life, back to this reality. Time will tell. I haven't done that yet. This is fresh revelation for me too. Before we cut to Ezekiel's vision, a vision fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus and celebrated in the book of Revelation, let's correct a quick error here. I'm looking at the Greek for Revelation chapter 1. This is exciting. It says, literally, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Apocalypse is another word that's been muddied by our culture. Yes, it is the end of the world, but the word means unveiling, or as we usually say, a revelation. This isn't the revelation of John. Let me do a pretty literal translation of the Greek. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God himself gave to show to his bondservants what things it is necessary to take place quickly, and which he signified, having sent them through the angel of him to his servant John, who testified to the word of God, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ as much as he saw. I know that literal translation of the Greek is quite awkward, but the point is clear here. This is unveiling Christ Jesus. I'll tell you what, I've just got a whole lot more excited about rereading the revelation of Jesus Christ. When I was a child, a teenager, 
I had a divine encounter. In the middle of the night, a column of pure light appeared in the corner of my bedroom. It was of such purity, such holiness, that my only logical response was to get out of bed and get on my knees. There was no message. There was no seraphim with a hot coal to touch my lips. There just was this column of light. But my life has never been the same. God is light. God is pure. God is holy. God is perfect. Perhaps I have met with God. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glorious presence. Hosanna in the highest. Let's see how God revealed his intentions to Ezekiel as promised. Here's chapter 47. Water is flowing out from the temple. He, an angelic being, brought me back to the door of the house and behold, waters flowed out from under the threshold of the house eastward for the front of the house faced toward the east. The waters came down from underneath, from the right side of the house, on the south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the gate northward, and led me around by the way outside to the outer gate, by the way of the gate that looks toward the east. Behold, waters ran out on the right side. When the man went out eastward, with the line in his hand, he measured one thousand cubits, and he caused me to pass through the waters, waters that were to the ankles. Again he measured one thousand, and caused me to pass through the waters, waters that were to the knees. Again he measured one thousand, and caused me to pass through the waters that were to the waist. Afterward he measured one thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the waters had risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be walked through. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the bank of the river. That when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, these waters flow out toward the eastern region and will go down to the Arabah. Then they will go toward the sea and flow into the sea, which will be made to flow out and the waters will be healed. It will happen that every living creature which swarms in every place where the rivers come will live. Then there will be a very great multitude of fish, for these waters have come there, and the waters of the sea will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river comes. It will happen that fishermen will stand by it. From Engedi even to Eneglem will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be after their kinds, as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But the miry places of it and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given up to salt. By the river on its bank, on this side and on that side, will grow every tree for food, whose leaf won't wither, neither will its leaf fail. It will produce new fruit every month, because its waters issue out of the sanctuary. Its fruit will be for food, and its leaf for healing. I'm going to read that last bit again, and I want you to be dancing. It will produce new fruit every month because its waters issue out of the sanctuary. Its fruit will be for food, and its leaf for healing. Are you dancing yet? Would you like to age gracefully?
Would you like to be like Moses, whose leaf didn't wither, nor did his fruit fail? Deuteronomy 34 verse 7 says of this man of God, who had spent so much time in the presence of God that his face shone. This man who had to put a veil over that shining face. Deuteronomy 34 7 says Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his strength gone. It's dancing time. Why? Because this is now. Jesus spoke to a woman. Yuck, thought the disciples. Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman. Double yuck, thought the disciples. Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman when they were alone. And she was shocked. He asked her to give him a drink as she came to draw water from the well. She did. And in return, he changed history. History for her, history for her neighbours, and history for the Samaritans. They received his word even when his own people didn't. Does that sound familiar? He said to her that she should have asked him and he would have given her water that would never run out. She thought this was a great offer. Now she wouldn't have to lug the water back from the well every day. But he said, no, 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 you don't get it. I'm talking about the living water of the Spirit that I will give to those who believe in me. And he went on to declare this as King of Kings on the last and greatest day of the feast in the temple. If anyone comes to me, out of his or her innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Here it is, word for word, quoting from John chapter 7, verse 37 following. Now on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from within him will flow rivers of living water. But he said this about the Spirit, which those believing in him were to receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus wasn't yet glorified. The year of Jubilee means there is hope for the creation, for all of creation. During the favourable year of the Lord, people got their homes back, their inheritance back, and the land got a rest. The poor got all manner of benefits, and the slaves to debt regained their freedom. Now is the acceptable year of the Lord, and the whole of creation is waiting. The whole of creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth, waiting for you to show up and shine like the temple of the Holy Spirit you are. Creation wants to live again. The trees of the field want to clap their hands for joy. Not to be ruined by the bad stewardship of man, but to be healed by the divinely led stewardship of humankind in Christ Jesus. The whole of creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth, waiting for you to allow living water to pour out from within you, bringing life wherever it flows, bringing healing, bringing restoration. You are the temple of the living God. His kingdom is near to everyone you meet. His kingdom is within you. Let it out. You are God's anointed. Do you remember greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? Good. Let's finish then with some declarations together. Say these out loud with me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. More compassionate is he who is in me than he who is in the world. More loving is he who is within me than he who is in the world. 
More alive is he who is within me than he who is in the world. Now you may have heard me take a deep breath in there. Let's do that together. A deep breath in. More alive is he who is within me than he who is in the world. So you're going to take the deep breath after I say the statement so you don't have to hold your breath for too long. Holy is he who is within me. I'm going to say that again. Holy is he who is within me. Righteous is he who is within me. Forgiving is he who is within me. The kingdom of heaven is within me. The kingdom of God is within me. The healer, Christ the healer, is within me. Christ the healer's hands are within my hands. The deliverer is within me. Christ the deliverer is within me. The breaker of chains is within me. The saviour of all creation is within me. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit with whom I am sealed. Out of my innermost being flow rivers of living water, his living water. I am the body of Christ. I am the first Jesus many people will see. What I touch in his name becomes clean, holy, pure, forgiven. Therefore I watch what I say. Therefore I watch what I do. Therefore I watch what I touch. Therefore I bear much fruit and my fruit abides. I abide in him and his words abide in me. I am the voice of God to a hungry nation. I am the voice of God to a hungry world. And when they will listen, I am the voice of God to my family. Divine words full of life to the full flow from my lips. I do not live on bread alone, but on every word of God that flows from his mouth and out through my lips. I love to speak out the words of life. I have the words of life. I am anointed. I am appointed. I am ready. Here I am, Father, send me. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord Yahweh is upon me and within me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to set the captives free. He has authorised me to heal the brokenhearted. He has empowered me to bring sight to the blind, recovery to the sick, to raise the dead, to proclaim, declare and demonstrate that now is the acceptable year of Yahweh's favour, grace, compassion and mercy. Now is the time for you to be saved.